And good morning, everyone. Welcome yet again to another edition of All Things Russell on Laker Country 104.9 WJRS. Jeff Hoover, along with Tony Kerr. And uh, this morning, uh, we're excited to be back in the studio for another program. And uh, Tony, we have a couple of guests that are going to be on the uh, phone with us this morning. Uh, but there's just a lot going on. Uh, a lot of things happening. Uh, baseball, softball season underway at Russell County High School. Both teams doing very well. Kentucky Derby one week uh, from tomorrow. Prom, graduation on the horizon. Uh, a lot of things to talk about. Spring is in full bloom. <laughs> if you can see the blooms for the snow, that is. Yeah, yeah, for the <laughs> snow that... Uh, uh, impacted the area a couple of mornings ago. <laughs> well, Jeff, the, the good thing about a snow late April, it's not going to last long. Yeah. And we had a beautiful day yesterday, a little cooler. I listened to the broadcast of uh, the Russell County, Clinton County baseball game. And, uh, you know, could have been a little, little, uh, warmer, but, uh, at least it wasn't snowing. Well, it wasn't snowing and it was picture perfect there at Laker field last night. I mean, the blue skies and that field, um, uh, folks, if you've never, if you haven't seen the Russell County baseball field in the last year or so, you really, really need to at least drive by and look at it. It we, is, we, it we, is top quality. It's beautiful. We we noticed it, of course, last year with football, and uh, Josh Branscombe and I have not actually went over there. Uh, but uh, last year, of course, there was no baseball uh, because of the pandemic. So David Rexroad had to have something to do. I teased him. I said, if they cancel baseball this year, you'll have that whole place uh, in AstroTurf. Uh, and he just smiled. But he has it looking great. And congratulations to Coach Rex Rote. Uh He surpassed Coach Terry Wade as the all-time winningest baseball coach. Russell County Jeff has only had eight head coaches since the high school uh, uh, came about in 1953. And uh, David, former Laker, Russell Countyan, played for Terry Wade himself and then uh, surpassed him, had a nice ceremony yesterday. Coach Wade came out. And and uh, honored uh, his former player and now uh, the all-time winning his coach. He's won a lot of baseball games. Yeah, uh, over 400. And uh, you look at there on the uh, fence as you drive into Laker Field, and uh, Coach Rexroad has put up uh, uh, banners of the old jerseys right. of previous coaches, beginning with Camus Carpenter and uh, uh, Coach Garner and uh, Philip Garner and – uh, Alan Fellhouse and Kenny Pickett and Terry Wade and um, you know when uh, a couple of my coaches had one year had Gary Hall and one year had Jim Voigt yep. uh, but their uh, their jerseys are up there as well but what an accomplishment uh, for David Rexroad and the, and the thing is he's the all-time winningest coach and he's still going and he will be going I think for several years we can only hope so uh, those of us that are Laker baseball fans because uh, what David Rexroad has accomplished as a high school baseball coach at Russell County is is really remarkable and uh, known all over the state of Kentucky, res widely respected for what he does and the program that he has. And, and you know, Tony, I was able last night in doing the game just to observe the kids and how um, disciplined, how disciplined those kids were 
you know, an hour before game time and going through their pregame stuff. And, uh, and, and it, um, you can see why he's successful. Uh, yeah. He teaches he more respect. than just, yeah. He teaches more than just baseball, you know, some life lessons and those kids, as you said, they do carry themselves well. He expects uh, a certain behavior from them and he gets it or you're not going to play for him. Yeah. Uh, and also about, uh, Coach Rex wrote, uh, "Don't don't say you want to play him because he'll drive anywhere in the state. They're going to be in Owensboro tomorrow, tonight, or, or tonight, uh, and going to be uh, playing where tomorrow? Hancock County tomorrow, Davis County tonight, and Hancock County tomorrow. That's not an easy trip yeah. for a for a baseball team. And Coach Rex wrote, uh, you know, he's been to Louisville, Lexington. He'll play any of those schools. Mail uh, the the big schools." He don't care. He likes to play the best competition, and uh, he knows that you got to have, have that uh, if you're going to be the program that you want to be, and, and uh, that's where his program is. Yeah. And, and kudos to him and, and also to Scott Jones in his second year as Lady Lakers softball coach, but coaching his first games this year uh, because he was hired before the start of the season last year. and. Uh, course the season was canceled but uh, scott jones is doing a really good job with the lady lakers softball team and uh they're fun to watch had a chance to broadcast a couple of their games next week uh, we'll be broadcasting uh lady lakers softball on tuesday and laker baseball on thursday so uh, uh just you know a lot of positive stuff the swim team just uh finished up and did very very well in regional competition state competition and uh you know shout out to them and uh prom coming up graduation coming up we're going to talk a little bit later in the program uh with anthony darnell assistant principal at russell county high school about some of those things uh but tony before we get to our first guest something you and i are really excited about the kentucky derby is one week from tomorrow and if folks don't know there is a really strong russell county connection to the russell county derby i mean i, I i'm just over the top excited uh, about what's going on that's right uh, the number 19 horse uh obesos uh was bred and is owned by uh, dr barrett bernard right here in uh, uh, russell county uh the horse uh you know, it's going to be a long shot, but is going to run. It got enough points to run in the uh, the Derby, but uh, a lot of people looking at this horse. The horse also is trained by Greg Foley. Greg Foley is the son of Dravo Foley. Dravo, Russell County native, who uh, moved many, many years ago. He's deceased now, but uh, Dravo Foley was from Russell Springs, and he trained for many, many years. In fact, Dravo Foley trained with Jack Van Berg. Van Berg had uh, Ali Sheba, yeah. the 1987 Derby winner. That was my favorite horse, Ali Sheba, Ali something Sheba. about that. And, and maybe because it was Jack Van Berg, because, you know, he, he ran a lot of claiming races <laughs> and uh, to finally get the big one. But, uh, yeah, Obesos, uh, the name comes from uh, uh, the, the the dam and the sire. Uh, it's out of orb. And then uh, Besos means kisses. So Obesos, the number 19 horse uh, with that strong Russell County connection, Dr. Bernard. And we hopefully might have him on the news next week. Talking yeah, about I think the, uh, Zach Oaks is going to make an effort to talk to Dr. Bernard. And uh, uh, just a fascinating story that uh, someone who now lives in Russell County, back in Russell County, living in Russell County, uh, owns a horse that's in the Kentucky Derby. And as you said, trained by Greg Foley with the Russell County connections. And, uh, it, it's, it's just exciting. And I'm, I'm happy for Barrett. I, I'm really the number 19 horse, Obeso. So if you want to 
place a friendly wager on the Kentucky Derby. Uh, go with that Russell County Connection, the horse number 19, Obesos, owned and bred by Barrett Bernard of Russell County. That's right, and uh, it'll be fun to watch. And yeah. uh, good luck to to Barrett, and uh, congratulations just on the, just getting there. You know, Jeff, it's not easy to get a horse into the Kentucky Derby. And Barrett's been around horses all of his life. His parents were into show horses, yeah. walking horses, but uh, uh, he likes uh, uh, the thoroughbreds as well and uh, has done pretty well, uh, especially with this one. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're excited for Barrett. And uh, finally, before we get to our first guest uh, this morning, uh, Jamestown Mayor Nick Shear announcing that the uh, performer, at Lake Fest will be John Anderson. I'm excited about that. John Anderson, an old-style country singer, been around many, many years, Tony. John, back in the early 80s, uh, Jeff, uh, I've seen John Anderson in concert. He, he's good. He's a good singer, and we'll sing some some great oldies. I always love his voice. Yeah. Uh, just a real quick fact on John Anderson. Uh, when he was trying to make it in the music business, uh, he was also a carpenter. John Anderson worked on the Grand Ole Opry House. Uh, when they were moving it back in 1974 and building the new Opry House from the Ryman, uh, he was one of the carpenters that helped build the new Opry House, and he would later become a member of that. And of course, Justice Swing and what a hit yeah. that was, and a lot of hits. And he's, that's going to, you know, that's going to be a big attraction. Yeah. Every, every time I hear that song, Justice Swing, and I, uh, I think of Preacher Tucker. Uh, that was one of Preacher's favorites on it's Wednesday. Theme, theme night. song, I believe. Yeah, on Wednesday nights, Preacher loved that song, loved to play it, and. Every time I hear it on the radio or hear it mentioned, I, I think of our friend uh, Preacher Tucker. Miss him on Wednesday nights, but uh, uh, know that he's doing better and improving, and, and we're happy about that. Oh, yeah. But John Anderson here, uh, that's going to be great. Is that the, the third? I mean, uh, look at the calendar. What day is that? Yeah, I am not sure. First, we'll sat first Saturday in July. July the 3rd. July Sean the 3rd. just said July so the 3rd. That, that's going to be a great weekend, and uh, I really look forward to that. That's a uh, that's a good one. Yeah. All right. Our first guest this morning is uh, Sarah Jackson. Sarah is with the uh, Kentucky Department of Transportation, uh, and we're going to be talking a few minutes uh, with her about uh, the relocation of driver's licensing um, all across Kentucky, but Russell County, one of the first states, Tony, to, to, to see that happen, and uh, we're happy to have Sarah with us this morning. Sarah, good morning. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you both for having me. Um, it's always bad to follow sports, you all, but I'll do my best. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you talk about the baseball, softball, and then you throw in the Kentucky Derby, yeah, that uh, that makes it difficult, doesn't it, Sarah? It sure does. You hit the trifecta right there. <laughs> um, and I truly, um, I am, I'm tickled to be on with you all today and with your listeners. I know um, you all uh, talk about important issues, and this certainly is one we want to start talking about. And I want to thank Tony Kerr for talking about it for the last year um, with the folks <laughs> in uh, Russell County. Well, we would, we would, you know, just trying to tell people what's coming and uh, that the regional concept and all of that, but uh, the the biggest question that I have, Sarah, for you is uh, why this change? You know, circuit clerks have been issuing driver's license uh, for 80, 85 years now, and uh, 
Why change it? Well, a lot of various reasons ended up prompting this change. And I would want to mention that the circuit clerks across Kentucky issued driver's licenses and other driver's credentials and ID cards on a county basis. In other words, you needed to be a resident of that county to apply in that county for a renewal of a driver's license or a permit or an ID card. And that's, as you said, been going on for under just under 100 years, I believe. But we were really one of the, if not the, one of the only models in the country um, that issued in that manner. Most other driver's license issuing models were centralized. But what brought this really to a head and brought it into big, serious discussions among circuit clerks, legislators, and the transportation cabinet was the introduction of Real ID. And while I'm not here to talk about Real ID, that is a program um, that came about with the Real ID Act in 2005. It's a federal mandate. All states were required to implement um, the uh, the uh, real ID principles and, and come up with a real ID form of identification. And when that came about, there are more um, documents that are required. I think the initial thought was that county clerks would issue real ID, circuit clerks, excuse me, would issue real IDs as part of the credential and driver's licensing. And it became apparent in some... Um, some trial efforts that this was a really big ask of circuit clerks who we all have to remember tend to many court duties. Driver's licensing is not their only business. And in fact, it's a small part of their business. So we, we soon understood that this was going to be a huge ask and the transportation cabinet came up with a plan and a blueprint for putting regional offices all across the state that would stand up and issue real ID. And then it really became even more, it evolved, that if we're going to have regional offices and make the effort to centralize the real ID across the state, we need to go ahead and consider having all driver's licensing functions at one one location. It would reduce confused messaging. You know, someone in Russell County would say, well, if I need a real ID, I have to go a county over. If I need a standard, I go see Tony. So these were the kinds of considerations that went into that went into, uh, went into consideration, and this is what came out of it. And I really do believe it is going to be a great model for all Kentuckians going forward. But it will, like any change in any new program, there are going to be, you know, some learning curves and some different, we're going to have to do things a little bit differently. But once we all get on board, I think you're going to see um, a, a much improved model, a much more efficient, streamlined model and a model that offers lots more choices for Kentuckians. Well, Sarah, I think it's important that our listeners understand, and Tony has done a really good job on several occasions trying to get the word out, 
But all of this really emanates from the Real ID Act, which is a federal mandate. As you said, it passed several years ago. Kentucky was able to get a waiver of implementation of the Real ID for several years, and uh, really it just finally had to be done, and this is a result of that, and it's a federal mandate uh, that is so important for Kentucky to comply with. It is important, and it's not just, you know, it's not just important for Kentucky to comply with the Real ID Act. It's important for every state in this country to comply with the Real ID Act. The idea behind it, the concept behind it, it came out of the 9-11 Commission's report. That was a huge tragic event in our country, and there was a 9-11 Commission, and one of the recommendations was to improve domestic travel and entry on military bases and federal buildings, and the Real ID came about as a result of that. Now, I do want to stress that, you know, we've got, Kentuckians have options. They do not have to run out and get a Real ID pronto. They may already have a form of Real ID, and I'm happy to talk about that um, if you all want at some point uh, while I'm on air with you, but I'm also, you know, I know your focus is what can we offer your citizens by going to uh, Adair County and Pulaski County for standard driver's licenses. Yeah, I think that is where the... Uh, you know, are not going to have a need to travel by air. Uh, And so they're just, you know, many people just need their regular driver's license, and now they have to go to Columbia or to Somerset. Um, And, you know, there's a good rivalry between those uh, places and sports, (laughs) and you you don't want to look like, well, I have to go to somewhere I'd... Uh, I don't really like maybe, but in all well, seriousness, yeah. uh, how were how were those locations chosen? Well, we have currently, just to give you an update, we have 16 regional offices across Kentucky, and then we have one in Louisville that's a, that is an ancillary, um, temporary office, but it will eventually be taken over by a permanent office, and we're still placing more offices. But the kinds of considerations that go into those offices, obviously we're moving to a regional model. Not every county will get an office. So we try to look geographically at locations where uh, folks would not have to travel very far, take um, a location and maybe draw a circle around it with maybe 30 to 45 minutes from all surrounding contiguous counties. We also had to take into consideration cost, staffing availability, available space. And as you know, we, have, we by law worked with the finance cabinet to identify space. And there was a great need to move swiftly with this um, to have these offices up and running because at that time, the Real ID enforcement deadline was last October of 2020. It's now been moved forward due to the pandemic to October 1 of 2021, this October. But we had a lot of considerations 
that went into effect. And I believe that um, those, the, the officers, I'm so sorry, those offices were actually um, selected really, we kept the convenience of the citizens in mind. And I do want to make one point about Russell County and rivalries aside. Russell County is uniquely positioned between two counties that have regional offices. There are not many more locations that I can think of right away off the top of my head in this state that have a regional office that a county is maybe so well positioned to go to either location for their, um, for their, uh, their licensing needs. But I do want to stress that, that we're going to take driver's licensing to the next level. Will a Russell Countyian have to drive to Adair or uh, uh, Pulaski County to get a license renewal? Maybe. And here are the kinds of things that they may be, that, that may be options for them. First of all, we want to stress that the driver's licensing shift and change to a centralized model where one agency is in control of the driver's licensing and credential issuing across the state is really going to be, is going to be great for Kentuckians. There's going to be one standard level, you know, of, of service. There's going to be a standard level of hours, a standard level of, um, of issuance and appointments and walk-ins and, and different policies. But the driver, the, the Kentuckian's going to be in the driver's seat. Their choices when they go to these offices are going to be, do I want a standard license or do I want a real ID? We're now increasing the length of driver's licenses and real IDs to an option of eight years. So you may choose four years or eight years. And as you know, that will then minimize the number of times you're going to the next county for your licensing needs. You will actually be able to choose your regional office. And Russell County is a perfect example. Russell Countyans can go to either Somerset or Columbia. But they can also go to Bowling Green, for instance, if they have a child that's at uh, Western Kentucky and they're going to go visit their child for the weekend, they could make an appointment. It might be more convenient to go in Bowling Green. It might be more convenient if they were going headed to Louisville or headed to Lexington for a weekend or for a full day of doctor's appointments and they have time to work in an appointment. And then that brings me to another feature that's not been offered before is appointments. We now offer appointments. They're offered online. Um, certainly you could call our uh, help desk if you don't have access to making an appointment and they could help you make one. But those um, but walk-ins um, can also be taken, so you get to choose. Do I want to make an appointment and be guaranteed that I'll be taken at around 2 p.m.? Or do I want to just go over there and do my errands in Pulaski County and just walk in? And when I last looked, there are plenty of appointments at both locations, openings all the way into through the end of May at least. And I'm told that the walk-in times are very short. 
We do urge people, if they want to be a walk-in, to try to not come around lunchtime because, obviously, we have staffing issues. We remain open at lunchtime, but the appointment people that are slotted in during lunchtime hours will have, you know, more, they'll have priority. We also expect in the next month or two... Where is the website, Sarah? Where? Oh, yes. It's um, drive.ky.gov drive.ky.gov actually has a banner when you click on that. And on that banner, um, there is a button that says, need a real ID or standard license, schedule an appointment. And when you click on that button, it will take you to a page that actually shows where all our regional offices is. It lists the offices, the hours, et cetera, and you can make an appointment. And I think Tony and I talked this week that he'd done, he'd gone and looked at the appointments page and thought that it was relatively streamlined and easy. Um, but the exciting news is that in a month, when I said... Yeah, I've got to go over in a, in a week or so to get get mine renewed. Yes. And I, I the thing that I was about to announce, when I said and teased, do you really have to go to Somerset to get your license if you live in Russell County? Maybe not. And the maybe not comes into play because in a month or two, we're going to announce that we're going to have um, the launch of an online renewal system. And the online renewals will be available to Kentuckians who want to renew standard driver's licenses or real ID licenses. But it needs to be a renewal with no significant name or address change. Kentucky has not had that option before, and this is another example of how having it all under the umbrella of one agency allows us to put our information technology people to work for the betterment of all Kentuckians. So those are the kinds of options. The one other thing I want to mention that's unique, I guess, about Russell County, since it does, it will not have a regional office in Russell County, is you all will be entitled to pop-up mobile unit pop-up unit visits and those are suitcase units that perform all the same functions that are performed at the uh, issuing offices but we are going to be visiting all the counties that do not have a regional office we'll be working with local officials we're working in the planning of those right now and it'll be a certain number of times per year probably by appointment, but we'll, we're going to flesh all that out so that at least someone who maybe is a non-driver and just can't get anyone to get them over to get an ID card or a real ID card could at least um, go to an appointment in Russell County. So those are the kinds of features I'd like to highlight to think about the positives this spring. And once we get through the changeover, once we move ahead, and you all talk to us, Sarah. One thing that one thing I want to ask you about: what about Saturday hours? That's something that we've always had here. A lot of people work out of town; they can't get in there Monday through Friday. Yeah. What What about that? We currently do not have Saturday hours, but we are required to establish Saturday hours, a minimum of one Saturday per month at every location, and we are working on that. That's, um, uh, that's been very 
Uh, that's been a struggle with the pandemic, but we definitely are working towards that, Tony. Okay, great. Well, Sarah, we uh, we really appreciate you coming on this morning and sharing some information. I think folks, the more they learn about it, the more comfort level they have with everything, and that's what we're trying to do is keep people informed and make them informed about what's available. And uh, the more informed, the more comfortable they become. And my guess is in about a year from now, everyone will be fine with this. Yes. I really think so, and I really would ask listeners to, to do a little bit of soul-searching because as they complain or think, oh, I'm going to have to go to the next county, I'd really like them to think about how many times they do go to another county, but whether it's for a sporting event, as you described, or a favorite restaurant that happens to be out of county, or um, a special shopping store or venue, we do go out of county in Kentucky. We have 120 counties in this state, which is a very large number of counties, and they're, they're relatively, most of them, small in, in size, and it's easy to get from one county to another in most cases. So I'd ask people not to judge, to at least give us a try. They're going to have to give us a try, but give us a try before they... Um, close their minds to it, I think it's going to be a much more uh, long-term streamlined process, and it is better, I think, for um, all Kentuckians. Yeah, don't come in mad from the beginning, right? That's what you're saying. Yeah, give us a chance. I, I just, <laughs> you know, change is hard for all of us. I mean, Tony, you're facing change because you Love doing driver's licensing, I know. This, and uh, have gone on record as saying that, but uh, let's see how it goes. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate uh, the job you do, and I know it's not easy, but informing people is so important and you do a tremendous job at that and it's always good to talk to you thank you for having me i really appreciate it you all have a great weekend thank you sarah thank you, you too that's sarah jackson with the uh, kentucky department of transportation and um uh, Jeff, one thing that uh, we need to point out, that uh, the deadline on the real ID, if you're going to fly, if you don't have a passport, but you plan to fly, the deadline on that is October 1st. Now, there is some discussion that the Department of Homeland Security, the Biden administration will extend that. There's no guarantees of that. So you're going to need the real ID if you plan to, to fly. And uh, something we didn't cover is that... Uh, at the office, we will still be doing the renewals by mail, which have been going on since last year. So, and that's going on through at least June 30th. So, if anybody out there, if your license are are to be renewed uh, next week or whenever, 
and uh, you still want to get yours here, you just have to uh, go online and get that form. You can mail it into us with your payment or drop it in the Dropbox out front. We do probably about 50% of our, our licenses right now that way because of the pandemic and the restrictions. So we're going to be doing that at least through June 30th. So you can still get your license here. You can do that form. Uh, and uh, for the permit holders, that'll be going on at least through June 30th because they're still waiting with the state police on where they're going to be doing the testing. So the kids will still come in on Thursday. We will still put in all the information. So that's all, it's not all going away next week, but it is coming. Yeah, and as Sarah said, all of this is the result of the federal government mandate from the Real ID Act that was passed in 2005. It's right. not like it's just been around, but it was passed in 2005. And a little experience on that uh, in the legislature, uh, Kentucky received uh, several waivers and, and extensions on implementation of the Real ID Act. And uh, in 2016, it was really coming to a head, and it was believed the federal government was not going to give any more extensions. In fact, the Kentucky Transportation Cabinet was notified at that time there would be no more extensions. And uh, so we passed a Real ID law uh, that began this process at the urging of then-Governor Bevin, and after we had passed it, uh, which was a difficult vote for a lot of people for these very reasons that we're talking about. Uh, then the governor, after, <laughs> after he had encouraged us to pass it, then vetoed it. Uh, and we were able to get another extension. But uh, you're right. If you're going to fly, uh, going on a trip, anything, October 1st is the deadline. That may be extended, but it may not. And uh, so we'd encourage you to take advantage again. You can go to the website, uh, www.drive.ky.gov, get all the information about uh, the regional office in Columbia and in Somerset. You know, you talk about 9-11, and, and this year will be uh, 20 years, Jeff. Yep. Those terrorists got on those planes with valid IDs. They'd gotten, had been issued, but they had fake birth certificates. They had fake social security numbers. They had driver's license, uh, but everything they got, th that's what the 9-11 commission found out and reported on in 2005. So uh, a lot of this, you know, our, our world has never been the same since uh, since 9-11 and a lot of changes coming and, and th this is one of them. I hope it works well. Uh, you know, I, I went over, I've already gotten, I got mine last year. I've got a real ID and I've got to renew it and uh, it, it worked pretty well. Uh, these, But these offices are going to get busy and I tell people that if you're going to get it, uh, get you an appointment, call those places, their, their numbers and uh, make sure you bring all your stuff. Once you're in though, um, you don't have to bring it all back every time and as she said, which is a big deal now that you're going to be able to renew it online and that's the real ID you can renew your driver's license online uh, very soon and get it for eight years yep. so you may not ever have to go to any of those offices but all right there you have it all the information you need about your driver's licensing and what's coming up uh, in the future and what's going on now let's transition Tony uh, it's springtime it's the end of school and it's always an exciting time for a lot of kids, not only the school year ending, although it has been a different type of school year, obviously, uh, but prom coming up, graduation coming up. Uh, some students are in person. Some students are still virtual. And uh, we just thought it was an opportunity, even for parents, uh, as myself, a parent of a senior, uh, seems like we're all the time asking questions, well, 
what about this or when's that going to be and what time do we need to be there and all these things. So we thought we'd invite uh, Anthony Darnell. Anthony is uh, the assistant principal at Russell County High School and uh, he agreed to join us this morning just to talk about some of those upcoming events. And Anthony, good morning to you. Good morning, Mr. Hoover, and uh, good morning, Mr. Kerr. I just want to thank you all for inviting me to come on to the radio this morning and talk to your listeners and, and let you all know that we appreciate everything that you do for our school and our community, and, and we know you have a lot of listeners with all things Russell, and we hope to be able to get some information out that baby parents are not aware of. And uh, you're right. We just want to inform people because there are so many moving parts, it seems like, and uh, even with graduation, some recent decisions made. Uh, but let's start next week. I mean, I, I guess prom is coming up next Saturday. Where is it? Uh, what's going on with that? Uh, is it any different than in years past? What's the school doing? Uh, yes, sir. It, it is a little bit different. You know, due to COVID, we're having to change up a lot of things. Um, some of those changes, um, just like Sarah was talking about with the driver's license, you know, some of them are popular, some of them are unpopular, but unfortunately, uh, there are changes that we're having to make. Um, prom has been scheduled for Saturday, May the 1st. Um, we're going to have to divide that into two different sessions uh, due to the numbers that are allowed um, in the barn at Goose Creek, and that's the venue that we use each year and where we'll hold the prom again this year. Um, most of your listeners are probably familiar, but it's located on East Highway 80. It's about seven miles uh, out Highway 80. Uh, again, it's the barn at Goose Creek. The prom will be Saturday, May the 1st, from 6 until 8 for juniors, and from 9 until 11 for seniors. And we had to build in some time there to be able to clear the venue out, uh, be able to do some cleaning, and then allow that second group of students to come in, uh, our seniors, to enjoy their night uh, as well. So we'll, we look at opening the gates out there around 5.30 on um, May the 1st so that juniors can get in and get parked. Uh, and be in the venue at 6 when we're slated to begin, and then um, we'll do the same thing for seniors. We'll be about 30 minutes early opening those gates once we get everybody cleared out from the, the first event. So uh, juniors 6 to 8 next Saturday night, seniors 9 to 11. Um, a little different, but yet it still gives them the opportunity to to do all the pre-prom stuff and pictures and, pictures and get dressed up and, and have somewhat of a prom. So kudos uh, to you all. Thank you. Thank you. We've, we were excited because, um, you know, with COVID, everything has been kind of last minute. You don't know and you don't know, and then all of a sudden you're allowed to do something, you know. And it, it's been difficult for us. It's been difficult for our faculty been difficult for our students needless to say but just the the fact that uh, we're thankful that we are starting to see some normalcy you know we have kids back in the building we're starting to host events our sports events are back in full swing uh, with some restrictions but uh, we're just happy to see kids back on campus and be hosting these events 
Mr. Darnell, one, one good thing about having it, uh, the, the seniors uh, this year didn't go to prom last year They as juniors. Uh, last year, seniors didn't have a senior prom, but they had a junior prom. So at least everybody is going to have an opportunity to, to go to a prom. Yes, and that was one of the things that we looked at. Um, we, we had threw around a couple different ideas, but we knew that we wanted this senior class to have the ability to uh, have a, that night, that special night, uh, where they could get together with their friends, and and we wanted to give them that. And the juniors, we had talked about if if we had to, you know, we we would do a senior only, you know, um, senior only prom. So at least those students got that. But we were fortunate enough to have a, a venue like we have with the barn at Goose Creek, um, where we could open that up. We're having to start a little bit earlier um, than we traditionally would, but it's going to work out where those kids yes, do get to have a special night. Did you have to get this approved by the health department or, or anyone with the uh, Department of Education, uh, your plan? Uh, we, we submitted a plan to the superintendent and then, of course, Mr. Ford, he is in constant contact um, with the health department about uh, different events that we have here from athletics to uh, just day-to-day -day, uh, events that we host here, and we talked to him about the plan. Um, also, the barn at Goose Creek, of course, they um, their venue is under certain restrictions with the health department. So really, in talking to them, we kind of had a cap on the number. Uh, we limited the tickets um, like we always do to um, one student and, and one guest. And by dividing it, it kept us under that cap on the number of people that we could have in the venue at one time. Of course, they, their, their outdoor space is phenomenal out there. I don't know if you've been to any events there or not, but they have a really nice outdoor space as well, which opened things up and allowed us to have more people than if we were just hosting it inside the inside the venue and not using those outdoor spaces um we're, it looks like uh, knock on wood and fingers crossed it looks like weather's going to be great which helps us tremendously because we can use those outdoor spaces as well mm -hmm. and anthony uh you mentioned uh sports back to full swing with baseball and softball and all the other things and i was uh fortunate to broadcast the baseball game last night along with Charlie Anderson and Charlie said at school yesterday of course he's a teacher at the high school but said at school the enthusiasm and the excitement of the kids was as high yesterday as it's been in in a long long time just for those reasons that things are starting to open up a little bit and I sense that you see that as well as assistant principal. I do, and uh, you know the the biggest adjustment for us is when we opened back up uh, and and started sending mailers out and making phone calls to parents about the the fact that we were going to open our doors back up to students that wanted to come back in person. We were a little bit uh, surprised by the the small number of students that chose to return. Um, that that's been a little bit of a challenge because as, as teachers and educators, we want children in the building. They want you know we want them with us. But we understand the fears that some people in the community still have and the concerns. Obviously, there's health concerns and stuff that each individual family has to take into consideration. But the number of kids that we have here, uh, we're satisfied with that. And they're, 
they're pushing on. We see uh, a lot of success in the students that have returned to school. And Mr. Anderson's right, that excitement uh, just in the building is phenomenal. And, um, you know, uh, just real quick, I'd like to give a shout-out again to Coach Rex Roach, um, uh, honoring him yesterday and Mayor Nick Shearer and, and Coach Terry Wade being there to honor Coach Rex Road on uh, becoming the uh, all-time uh, win leader here, uh, coach at, baseball coach at Russell County High School. You know, that's phenomenal. And uh, we appreciate Coach Rex Road and everything he does for our program. We, we've got a lot of great coaches here, and we're fortunate to have them. Anthony, let's move ahead and talk about uh, graduation. Uh, I know there's been some ideas and revisions, and I think now finally a, a plan that the school system is going with. Tell us about graduation, when it is, where it is, how it's going to be conducted. Uh, graduation will be Friday, May the 21st. Um, we're going to host that here at the high school um, Doors should open here at 6.15 for anyone that uh, uh, has a ticket to attend the graduation ceremony. Um, each senior uh, will have four tickets that they can, can give out to the people that they wish to have attend the graduation. And we expect to host the project graduation right after that. Um, between the hours of 10 to 1, and we're still talking about that as far as what that venue is going to be. Are we going to be able to host that inside and spread out throughout the school building, hosting things in different areas? Are we going to move it outside? Those are things that we're still uh, planning at this point. Again, this thing changes, it seems like, daily. But we were able to nail down the graduation date and time, and again, that's Friday, May the 21st here at the Russell County High School Gymnasium, and uh, that will begin at 7 with the doors opening at 6.15, and each student uh, receiving four tickets to hand out to friends, family members, people that they want to attend. Now, is that uh, all at one time? I mean, there's no A through M or anything like that. It's all seniors at one time at 7 o'clock. That, that is correct, and that was the reason we were bouncing around different ideas on a venue for that because we had initially um, talked about hosting that outside, but when you do that, uh, there's a couple factors. So many people will come in from out of town to attend the graduation ceremony, and we really were having to be flexible and say, well, we could have it Friday, but if it rains on Friday, we'll have it on Saturday, and if it rains on Saturday, we'll have it on Sunday afternoon, and there's just too much uncertainty there for people who are traveling that are coming in for that day. Right. Um, so we had to kind of nail that down and decided that it was probably best just to plan it inside and do everything at one time, have everybody in. But in order to do that uh, and stay within a respectable number of people in the gymnasium at one time, we cut those tickets down to four tickets per student. And, um, you know, we've talked about the possibility of that increasing uh, hopefully in the future as COVID restrictions are lifted. But um, for this year, it looks like at least it's going to be limited to those uh, four tickets. And, we're again, we're thrilled to be able to do that because if you think back to last year, those seniors walked through individually and received their diploma. So we feel like this is a definite improvement on that. We're excited to be able to uh, allow students that night, again, to be recognized for their hard work and academic achievements. 
Mr. Darnell, you got a great media department there. Are there any plans maybe to broadcast this? I know uh, YouTube does a lot of it, and uh, uh, it's been broadcast in the past on the community channel, but uh, that ceased just a few years ago. But uh, uh, if you're not going to broadcast it, are, is it going to be filmed? Parents could buy a copy of uh, the uh, the ceremony? Uh, yes, we're, we traditionally do that. We would traditionally film it and then uh, have that available after graduation where students could order that or parents could order it. This year we're looking at, at broadcasting the event live on uh, YouTube. We're working with our tech department here at the school as well as at the district level to determine the best outlet for that, and uh, we will make an announcement. Once that's finalized, we'll make an announcement for the public so that uh, People who are not able to attend can watch that ceremony live, um, more than likely via YouTube. That's great. Also, uh, senior awards, I think, are Sunday the 16th of May. Can you share any information on those? Uh, yes, sir. Those will be held at the ANC at uh, 2 p.m. on Sunday, May the 16th. Um, Seniors will uh, be notified if they're going to be receiving awards on that day, and uh, they will be allowed to come in with, with parents, uh, and we'll try to get everyone seated in the ANC and spread out um, so that we can give out those awards. Again, and acknowledge the hard work that those seniors have done, and that's Sunday, May the 16th at 2 p.m. at the ANC. Very good. Anthony Darnell, thank you so much uh, for joining us and getting that information out. And uh, we just appreciate the job that you and all of our staff do. And uh, thank you for making this happen for uh, for these kids. It's very important and a tremendous job. And thank you so much. That's right. Thank you all. If I could just say one more thing, Mr. Hoover, Mr. Kerr, um, sure. any senior parent that's listening, we have mailed out a senior mailer. There are several other dates that um, we're not going to be able to talk about this morning, obviously, but we've got all those on a mailer that was sent out last week. You should be receiving that in the mail or should have already received it. If you have not, please contact the school at 866-3341. We'll get an address change and get that mailed back out to you if we need to. And then I'm going to do a little begging here for our seniors. Um, we're down a little bit on donations for project graduation this year due to COVID. And we found that a lot of businesses, their front offices maybe are not open. A lot of mailers and stuff that we've sent, especially to our churches and stuff, are coming back to the school um, if you would like to help, if you're in the community and you'd be interested in helping anyway in our project graduation to help honor those seniors on that night, uh, please call the school again at 270-866-3341. And um, we, we certainly know that our, our kids would appreciate any help that, that we could receive. And project graduation will follow graduation services on Friday, uh, May 21st, right? That is correct, sir, and it'll be from 10 until okay. 1, and that is a senior-only event, so only members of our senior class are allowed to attend that. That's kind of the one last time that those kids get to be together as a group and, and make memories. It's by far the most fun thing that we do all year long for our senior students. They, they have a blast, and we just want to be able to honor them in the way that, that they need to be honored that night. And if anyone listening uh, wants to help financially, uh, call the high school or drops uh, their donation or contribution off at the high school. That would be uh, much appreciated. 
Yes, sir. We would certainly appreciate it. I'm not one to beg or ask for anything. We feel like we do those things on our own, but um, there's a lot of things. We have donations that we have traditionally received in the past, substantial donations, that are not going to be available this time uh, due to uh, some just different circumstances. Uh, they're not going to be right. available. So we took a little bit of a hit on that, and um, we, we, we really... Um, that's a special night for those kids, and we'd like for each one of them to leave here with something on that night. Um, so any financial help is certainly appreciated with that. Okay. Thank you, Anthony Darnell. Appreciate you joining us on the program, and uh, have a good day, sir. Okay, you too. Thank, thank you all again for all you do for our county. Thank you. That's Anthony Darnell, assistant principal at uh, Russell County High School in Tony. Uh, as you and I have talked about in the past, one of the best guys that either of us know. I mean, Anthony Darnell is first-class person, a first educator and administrator, and uh, we're just fortunate to have him in our school system. He's also the parent of a senior. <laughs> That's he's, right. He's yeah. got uh, one graduating, yeah. uh, as you do, Jeff. Uh, I don't know. Is it just me? It's hard to believe this year has gone by this quick. Graduation's upon us and another school year. Yes. Yeah were slow at the beginning of the school year due to the change in the calendar of course and the pandemic and uh but the last three have really flown by and a graduation just uh what four weeks from tonight so um we appreciate our guests this morning want to tell you about uh upcoming programs uh one week from today tony and i are excited to have uh state representative josh branscombe will be in our studio and we're going to be talking with josh about the uh 2021's uh general assembly session that just ended and I look forward to having Josh in the uh, studio to talk with us. Uh, also, two weeks from today, Tony, uh, we're really excited about this program. We've had some folks mention to us, uh, you know, sharing the history of Rowena or Krillsboro and those things. And two weeks from today, on May the 7th, uh, David Cross, Albany attorney, a historian, uh, we'll be in the studio along with Tony Sloan. Tony Sloan, a uh, longtime owner of Grider Hill Dock, uh, sold that a few years ago and built most recently uh, the Rowena uh, Marine lesson on Rowena. And it's a fascinating story of how important that community was to Russell and Clinton and Wayne counties uh, before. Uh, Wolf Creek Dam and Lake Cumberland and, and the, the role that Rowena played uh, in business and industry and commerce in this area. It's a fascinating story. Jeff, you know, our, our topics on, on current events like uh, we had today, uh, those, those are good, but people really like that history. They, they, they love, yeah. uh, I've heard more comments on uh, Elmer Hill, and then uh, we had, when we had uh, Cynthia Record on about uh, uh, the 71 tornado, the 50th anniversary coming up Tuesday, that was yeah. April the 27th. People really like history, and they're really going to like uh, Rowena, or as uh, folks used to say years ago, Rowini. Yeah. <laughs> uh, down at Rowini, but uh, a lot of history, and uh, uh, it's, it's going to be good. And it's great to have those guys with us, uh, yeah. especially Tony, because, uh, you know, Tony's getting up there. Yeah, Tony is, uh, I think, 83, 84 years of age, still goes hard every day, still works every day, and very involved in his business. 
but he's been a longtime friend, and uh, I'm just excited uh, to have here have him here on the program. And of course, David Cross has so much knowledge and information uh, on historical things. And uh, he was telling me just a couple of nights ago, he's already started pulling old newspaper articles and. Uh, things that he's going to share with us. So that will be two weeks from today on May the 7th. Look forward to that. And uh, it's been a good program this morning. Again, uh, Tony and I will say, if you have topics uh, that you'd like for us to look at, give either of us a call, uh, send us an email, uh, call us at work. We'd love to hear from you on topics that uh, you're interested in. Uh, we are working on some other things beyond May the 7th and uh, uh, keep the show going. We certainly appreciate all the listeners. Uh, seems like, Tony, about every day someone mentions to me how much they enjoy all things Russell. And uh, that's, that's right. good. That's what we want. Yep. But we need your input. Yep. Give us ideas and, and things that you want. That's going to do it for our program today. For Tony Kerr, I'm Jeff Hoover on all things Russell on WJRS Jamestown, Russell Springs.